going to continue talking about um, a merciful heart, and we've been the last several weeks focusing on um, not judging. Um, judge not is what Jesus said in the Gospels. He said, don't judge lest you be judged. And then he said, the same standard, the same measure that you use uh, to judge other people by will be the one that he uses to judge you by. So if you want a lenient, merciful standard uh, for, you know, to, be, to be the stick you're judged by, then that's what you want to uh, extend to other people. We see in all of these showing mercy, showing forgiveness, um, uh, not judging that the common thread, not condemning, the common thread in all of that is that Father God will treat you the way you treat other people. You set the standard for yourself in these things. And of course, we know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Just a quick review. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he's accusing you night and day, the Bible says, because he wants you judged. He wants you and me to be judged for the things that we do wrong and of course, we know that our Heavenly Father does not want us to be judged. He wants us to be forgiven. He wants everybody, for that matter, to come to repentance, to come to salvation, and to be forgiven, to receive forgiveness. And so, the loophole that the devil is trying to exploit and manipulate in your life and in my life is he wants you judged. Father God is the judge, and he doesn't want you judged. But, but, and it's a really important um, but in the Bible. But the standard by which you judge others is the one that you force your Heavenly Father to judge you by. So we see this here in Romans chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Did I say that? I apologize if I said it incorrectly. I, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Now, I say this often in discipleship class and somewhat often in here, that our goal tonight is not just information, but revelation. We're not just wanting to be informed about something, but we're wanting the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and reveal something to us that um, we haven't seen before, that we haven't understood before, um, for it to you know, jump off the page at you, come alive inside of you, for, for it all of a sudden to be this aha breakthrough moment for us in the Word of God. That's my uh, desire every time I have the opportunity to stand in front of you or, or anybody else, you know, for that matter. Um, you know, I prepare, over-prepare, have more notes than I'll ever get to. Um, Sister Pam kids me all the time. Hey, by the way, thank y'all so much for Sunday and the, and the Pastor Appreciation Day. I'll, I'll mention that again this coming Sunday morning. But man, what a, what a blessing. And the gifts, the cards, the kind words. It, 
um, it's just it's just wildly encouraging, you know, to hear what God's doing in your lives and families, and and how the Word of God is making that difference uh, in your life. So, um, but anyway, my my passion is that when we're together, you know, I certainly prepare and. But I, the, the one thing that just excites me the most, even when I'm writing, is I always uh, know that the Lord is going to show me something that I've never seen before. And that to me is, is just the, you know, the searching it out and the Holy Spirit revealing truth to us. And so a lot of times we think about revelation coming to us. We think about some revelation of, of a benefit, uh, some revelation of the goodness of God, some revelation of the, of the nature of God some revelation about what Jesus you know, has done for us. In other words, we tend to think of revelation being those kinds of things. But I believe what we have here is also extremely important revelation. In other words, what he's saying to the church at Rome and ultimately to the church at Heritage Christian Center tonight, amen, um, about judging and about putting ourselves in a position that cannot be defended. That's what it means to be inexcusable. He says, when, when you judge other people and do the same thing, you leave God no other option. He can't show you mercy if you know, you've allowed the enemy to manipulate you into a position that cannot be defended or cannot be shown mercy. And <clears throat> how many of you know that this is a really important revelation? <laughs> In other words, we, we, we often think of revelation as you know, being something that, <coughs> excuse me, as... Um, you know, excites you, makes you want to get up and run around the building or something, you know. But this is just as much revelation as anything else in the Word, um, but with a, a completely different tone to it. Now, I was thinking about um, this uh, as it relates to this subject, and um, I normally always title a sermon after the fact, you know, Marcos. Uh, Post and does all that work on the internet, and I've gotten a lot better here of late uh, getting the titles to him. But um, back when Pastor Rick used to do it, you know, they're always like titles, please, titles, please. We need this every Thursday, every Monday. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and so I usually title them afterwards. But if I'm going to title it beforehand tonight, the title of the sermon tonight would be "Tempted to Judge." Tempted to judge, and I'm not sure that we have viewed a desire or felt need to judge as a temptation. Because we often think of, you know, being tempted by, you know, that third donut or being tempted by, you know, uh, some fleshly desire or something along those lines. And, and so we, I think, tend to even guard against uh, those types of dangers and pitfalls and you know potential uh, sinful situations in our lives and and we categorize those types of of attractions and and uh, allurements you know um, as 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 being tempted after all the bible says we're 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 tempted and we sin when we're drawn away by our own lust and and enticed and so i'm not sure that we often think of judging another person as something that we are tempted to do. But I believe no matter how subtle the spiritual warfare is around this subject, that there is tremendous spiritual warfare involved here. Meaning the devil, um, 
listen, listen very carefully. I'm not trying to build him up or brag on him or anything like that. But he has been deceiving human beings for thousands and thousands of years. And, and he's gotten pretty good at it. Um, amen. He's no match for the Holy Spirit in us. He's no match for the Word of God. And, you know, again, we led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, the devil will flee from you. I, I got all that already, okay? And, and, and I don't mean to, like, just throw that out there casually. All those things are very important and, 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 and huge uh, in our lives in, in living in victory. But I'm, I'm not sure that we've recognized the devil's strategies and tactics against us when it comes to him trying to deceive you uh, into, uh, trick you into, manipulate you into judging other people. So remember, Satan is a deceiver, and to be deceived means to believe something is one way when it's actually another way. Um, often I say, it, it, you know, to believe something is true that's not true. But it could also believe, you know, deceived in the sense that you believe something is right that's not right at all. It's wrong. You believe it's okay and it's not okay. Uh, how about this one? You believe you're getting away with it and, and you're not. And that's what the message, among other things, in Romans 2 was. He says, look, you, you're just judging people and, and, and just absolutely taking for granted the goodness of God in your life. And you don't realize that you're piling up judgment for yourself one day. You know, just because it doesn't happen the, immediately, that doesn't mean that you know, you're not putting yourself you know, behind the eight ball, so to speak, um, when it got, comes to Father's ability to show you mercy and, um, and stand up uh, in your defense and uh, defend you. So Satan is a deceiver, which again means to believe something um, that is wrong or untrue, to be right or to be true. And so far too many then of God's people are deceived when it comes to judging others. Meaning what? Meaning they're judging, but they don't believe they are. We got some ground to cover tonight, but if we don't get past this right here, it's okay, because this is important. This is what it means to be deceived. When I say the warfare around this, spiritual warfare around this, is at the same time subtle and tremendous. In other words, there's tremendous warfare around this. In other words, the devil is so like trying to set you up and bait you and put you in that seat of the scornful and all these other things. He's manipulating just like he would, you know, if it, let's say uh, you've struggled with addiction in the past, you know. Um, I got a very dear friend who, you know, has not only overcome addiction, but he's a threat to it now. Um, but he talks about, he told me a story one time. He, he went to visit a family member in another state and he stopped at a, uh, just pulled off the interstate to fill up his gas and um, a complete stranger walks up to him and asks him if he would like some of his former drug of choice. And this guy's a businessman. You, you look at him, and I'm not meaning to be stereotypical here, but it's not like he had the stereotypical look of someone who would be addicted to drugs, okay? Um, but again, I just see spiritual warfare. See, it's the enemy trying to manipulate situations. Here he is, you know, off by himself in a strange place. Nobody knows him, you know, so, and, and, and how the devil set him up to try to tempt him to get him to, to fall in that, in that situation, okay? So we've all had those kinds of experiences where we've been tempted in that way. Maybe we didn't recognize it in the moment, 
But looking back on it, we realize, man, I, the devil set me up on that one. You know, um, it's been a long time since I've told the story. Matt and I, we we preached at this uh, church in um, uh, in Bessemer. Um, we were both married at the time, and um, the next evening I, work, I was working at Chick Fil A in those days, and came home to cut the grass, and I couldn't get my lawnmower cranked, and I, I know it's it kind of silly looking back on it, but um, I, this was an older lawnmower that I had, I mean, I had painted it, you know, I'd put some new wheels on it, you know, I mean, I, I made it really look nice, it was the first lawnmower I'd ever had, you know, and, and um, it looked good, but it wouldn't run, you know what I'm saying, and I pulled and pulled and pulled on that thing, and it, listen, I'm even-tempered, I came out of my mother's womb looking for somebody to please, I, you know, I just... I, it takes a lot to get me irritated, but I, I was irritated. And in my mind, I saw myself grabbing that lawnmower and lifting it over my head and just smashing it on the driveway. I mean, I was just, I was getting irritated at it. So much so that the Holy Spirit checked me, you know, and I, and I kind of got tickled at myself. I'm, I'm literally like having this conversation, and I'm like, you know what, I didn't want to cut grass anyway today. And so I took it, and I went to turn around and take it back to the garage. And when I turned around, there were two young boys standing at the in the road at the corner of my front yard and one of them said this to me he said you preached at my church last night didn't you <laughs> see the devil was setting me up right I, I i was fixing to cut a fool in front of those two young boys that were there and, and enjoyed the message and got a lot out of it and then all of a sudden here you know i had no idea they lived in that neighbor in my neighborhood no idea, no idea of any of that right so the devil will set you up like that if you if you're not aware of this i'm not telling it to scare you it's just he's a manipulator a deceiver a schemer a deceiver all of these things and i think sometimes though when it comes to this subject the spiritual warfare is tremendous but it's very subtle it's it's very subtle it's it's hard to pick up on and so I'm going to say it again, far too many of God's people are deceived when it comes to judging others, meaning they are judging but do not believe they are. See if this makes sense to you, because this is where I was in, in some of these things that the Lord's been helping me with, is that they don't believe the things that they think and say about other people rises to the level of judgment. You say, it's like, oh, I'm not judging. <laughs> it's like, you know, somebody says, man, you shouldn't be. Well, I'm not judging. Don't get me wrong. I'm not judging. And, and it's not that they're just trying to make an excuse for their judgment. They really don't believe what they're doing is judging. But remember, um, forming and expressing a negative opinion about another person is all that it takes to rise to the level of judgment. Now, consider this for a minute. Other types of sin, other forms of sin, um, would generate shame, make you feel bad about yourself, make you feel inferior, make you feel less than, right? But judging others has the opposite effect. When you, when you commit the sin of judging another person, yeah, I said it that way. When you commit the sin of judging another person, then this doesn't make you feel ashamed. It makes you feel proud. It doesn't make you feel weak. It makes you feel strong. It doesn't make you feel uh, inferior. It, it makes you feel superior. This is what makes this area that the devil tries to exploit in our lives, number one, so deceptive, 
so toxic and ultimately dangerous. You see, there's nothing like pointing to someone else's problem to make you feel better about your own. Now, there's a scripture that speaks to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. And um, we're going to, we found out this week, Marcos did some work on the um, whole connection between the computer and the projector, and it turns out that um, we got to get up there. Amen. We can't, we can't fix it from the ground. And so anyway, more to come on that. So we apologize for not being able to put these up on the screen behind me tonight. I will say, though, that's a pretty cool archway, isn't it? That is. We don't see that enough. And I, that, that was something that uh, um, Brother Charlie Smith, uh, that's some of his expertise there. So praise God. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. Okay? But they... Measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. There's a stronger uh, translation of this, okay? And it doesn't say that they're not wise. It says that they're fools. Okay, they're being foolish. They're missing the point entirely. So we could look at other verses in the Bible that give us these same instructions, but what we understand from this is that we're not to compare ourselves to other people. God made you very distinct. He made you very unique. And then you consider your whole life experience, some of you raised in church, some of you not, some of you, um, you know, had parents that modeled, uh, um, you know, a healthy home life, healthy marriage, healthy family, healthy financial management, healthy diet, all, all of that, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And then other, others, not so much. It's a whole spectrum of experiences. Um, so the reality is anytime you try to compare yourself to another person, what's the saying? You're not comparing apples to apples. Because no two people are identical. No two people have had the same life experience. Even when you take uh, my brother and myself and my sister, um, we are all three so different, different personalities, different uh, gifts and talents and abilities and callings and, and, and what have you, each in, in our own way, um, and, and, and very thankful for that. Um, but what if, you know, what if I, you know, based my success as a minister on whether or not I could play the trumpet like Matthew? Well, I don't, I don't know anybody that can play the trumpet like Matthew. And I'm not just saying that because he's my brother. I mean, I know some, like some professional trumpet players that aren't as good as he is. But see, that it's, it, we're not comparing apples to apples here. For that matter, he's, he's not called a pastor. He's called, he's, he operates in the office of a musical prophet. It's, complete, it's not, you, you see what I'm saying? So a pastor shouldn't be comparing himself to a prophet because it's a different office. I mean, we, again, it's just, there's no, and, and here's the thing. I'm just using a very simple one, you know, with me and my brother. But, but there, is, there is no situation where it, it would be like me comparing myself to another pastor. I mean, 
you know, like Pastor Chris Hodges. I mean, what, a, what an, a, an amazing man. You know, I mean, pastors a church of 60,000 people. Wow. See, you know, so if I'm going to compare myself to him, you know, well, I'm a loser, dude. You know what I'm saying? But, but again, that's not, that's not what God's called me to do. You see what I'm saying? So even if we're talking about pastors, God says don't do it. But let me, why do we? Why do we? We, we compare ourselves to other people because I think, and, and by the way, that's just a really fancy way of judging, right? In other words, you've got your opinion of yourself, and now you've got your opinion of them, and you're trying to see how your opinion of yourself measures up to your opinion of, of, of that person. I've said it this way before, I'll say it again tonight. When you compare yourself to other people, um, only two things can happen, and neither one of them are good. If you compare yourself to somebody who seems to be ahead of you, seems to be doing better than you, seems to be more prosperous than you, seems to be more successful than you, then that's going to make you feel inferior and less than. If you compare yourself to someone who seems to be um, not doing as well as you, not being as prosperous as you, not as successful as you, then it's going to cause you to be puffed up in pride. And so... The bottom line is we should not be comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, comparing ourselves to ourselves. Our Heavenly Father doesn't do that. I want you you to know that. He does not do that. My parents didn't do that. Unfortunately, some parents do. You should be more like your sister, you know. Um, Please, if you've ever said that to your kids, go apologize to them before you go to bed tonight, right? Not you know, not your sister. He's not. He's not a. He's not his sister. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, you know, I mean, he didn't do as good in school as she did. Have you ever considered that he doesn't learn the same way she learns? See, there's a, again, people are so. That's why when we talk about God being qualified to judge, it's because He knows things that we don't know. That's why He's qualified to judge, and none of us are. One of, one of the great mysteries of my life is how Bethany and John Mark could both come from me and Pam and be as different from one another as they are. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's phenomenal. And so now we got Oliver and, and, and Samuel David, and I'm like, man, I cannot wait to see how different these two are going to be. You are, you're already starting to see it even. You know, the, the little personality and then it just all these other things, right? And And so... Comparing is just a fancy way of of judging. And so many times we compare ourselves to other people because we're trying to ultimately feel better about our life, you know, feel better about our weaknesses, our our shortcomings, by saying, you know, something to this effect. Well, I may do this, but I don't do that. You know, I may I may have issues here, but I don't have issues like that one, you know. And it's just, it's just foolishness. He says that it's not wise. It's not wise. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I want to go over again and again and again because I believe it's that important, but I'm not going to do it. But let me just remind you, okay, that the ultimate goal is for all men to be saved, not for all men to be judged. Jesus didn't come to judge and condemn. He came to help and to save And you go about helping and saving much differently than you go about judging and condemning. 
Last week we looked at a, a young boy that was born blind. And of course, Jesus was there to help and to minister. I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where, I, I believe you have, or at least you can relate to it if you haven't. Hopefully, you know, you step on up into some situations. But when you put yourself out there to minister to people, and now all of a sudden, you got somebody with a question you don't have an answer for. You got somebody with a problem that you don't know how to what to do about it. You don't, you, you know, um, and so the tendency because what happens is, you know, you're supposed to be able to help them. You're this, you know, your reputation. You're this mighty man of God. All these other things, right? And now you've got somebody that that has a problem or an issue that that needs your help, but you don't know how to help them. And so the tendency then is, and it's sad, for, it's sad, but listen, this is how the devil deceives us. The tendency then is for us to judge that person and call it ministry. Well, if they'd do this, well, if they'd have done that, well, if they'd have listened to me five years ago, well, if they'd have stayed at Heritage instead of going off to that church, if they'd be, they'd be, they'd be, they'd be, see, notice, it's, it, you, you, it's, see, notice all of this, right? You've got somebody who needs help, um, and, and, and you don't know how to help them. You're intimidated. They're, they're, this, is, this is when somebody else's problem exposes your insecurities. It, it, it exposes your lack of patience. It exposes your lack of knowledge and, 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 and all these other things. But rather than just say to that person, look, I, you know, I love you. I'll pray with you. I'll listen to you. I'll help you. Um, I've told this to so many people over the years. Listen, I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. And if, if you'll be patient, you know, me and you and the Lord and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll walk through it together. That's the confidence I can offer you. But right now, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answers. You know, I mean, you can only imagine in, in the day and age in which we live, you know, hang-ups and, and, and addictions and uh, lifestyle choices and, and just on and on and on. The things that people come to me, you know, to help, help, you know, Pastor, can you help me? I, you know, I never forget in the cabinet shop days, you know, a whole bunch of people getting saved real quick, like, and you know, growing, and we just a happy family of faith, and then, you know, they're like uh, whispering, "Can I come see you tomorrow night?" I'm like, "Yeah," you know, it's like, Pastor, look, I, I just want you to know, I'm I'm still smoking crack, man. I I I'm trying to quit, but I I can't, you know, and I don't know. I mean, can you? What do I need to do? You know. I'm, feel like a hypocrite, you know, coming to church and worshiping God and this and that and, and praying for people and then, you know, I leave here and go get high and, you know, and I'm like, oh, Shazam, you know, like, wow, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you're sitting there going, are you serious, you know, it's like, um, uh, oh, praise God, you know, one situation where, where the family was trying to help another family, uh, another person, and and um, and the guy was at their house, and and they found their drug stash, you know, and they're like, oh, pastor, what are we gonna do? This guy thinks the whole church is like this now, you know, so, you know, and I'm like, you know, deer in the headlights kind of thing. And so notice now the tendency is, if you don't know how to help, let's just judge him and call it ministry, but that that's that's not the answer. That's, you know, you're trying to compensate for areas in your life. And that's why, so here you got a man born blind. Notice the testimony here. Nowhere has it been recorded in history of a man who was born blind that was healed. That, that was what was said about this story. And so 
you know, now you've got a situation. I mean, obviously they've seen Jesus do some tremendous thing, but no record of anybody ever having been born blind that was healed and received their sight. And so the disciples go into judgment mode now, right? Notice what are they doing? They're trying to provide an excuse for themselves, you know, in case this boy is still blind when they leave town. Y'all getting quiet on me now. Let me, um, praise God. Let's go, last verse for tonight. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore from now on, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We tend, I think I mentioned this at the end of a sermon a couple of weeks ago, but let me, let me just set this up and we'll, get, we'll pick it up back here next Wednesday. We tend to judge appearance and behavior only. In other words, we judge the way something looks we judge based upon just the face value of what somebody has done and what the Bible says about that as far as it being sinful or being wrong in the eyes of God. To say that another way, we tend to judge what without ever considering why. See, the why goes to the, to the internal part of a person. The what is just the external. Now, I take every opportunity that I have to remind you that you are a three-dimensional being. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. And you live inside of a temporary dwelling called a body. You are spirit, soul, and body. You are a three-dimensional being. The problem with judging is we only judge one-dimensionally. And we judge, stay with me on this, we judge according to God the appearance, how it looks, and the behavior, the outward, we tend to judge that, and according to God, that's the least important. You say, well, Pastor Mark, how can you say that's the least important? Does God look at the outward? Does God judge the outward? Does God judge the appearance? Does God go by how something looks? No, He judges the heart. 
He judges the, the, the internal, not the external. Because what we see in these verses that I just read to you is that the outward, even when it came to Jesus, the outward, the limited uh, capacity of the, of the human body, the outward doesn't have the ability to express the full reality of the inward. The Lord spoke this to me when I was preparing for uh, Pastor Hiawatha Sheffield's funeral. And, um, man, he just radiated the love of God. And he, and he carried himself with such excellence. Um, he called an ironing board an ironing table. I don't know, it's, it's rare. Pam does the laundry and ironing and all that stuff at our house. But, you know, every now and then, you know, I want to knock the wrinkles out of something. If I ever pick up an iron, I think about my brother, Hawatha Sheffield, you know. But even a man of, of that kind of dignity and excellence and humility that just projected the love of God, his, his outward man could only take him so far. I, the Holy Spirit said it was, it was like trying to play um, a high-definition movie through a black-and-white television or to try to play high-fidelity stereo through a one-speaker AM radio. In other words, the, the vessel that's, that's doing the, the broadcasting and the expressing is not the same as the signal that's inside of it. it. It just doesn't have the ability. And see, the Bible says you have a treasure in an earthen vessel. You, you've got immortal on the inside of you trying to express itself through mortal. Does the outward appearance and behavior of a person tell their whole story? And the answer is a resounding no. No. And the reality of it is it's, it's incapable of telling the whole story. The outward appearance and behavior only reveals the what. To understand the why, you must be able to see the inward person of the heart. Stand with me tonight. And so that's why we are not qualified to judge. There's one thing that I've been meaning to say now for a few weeks and I want to just mention it now. We know from the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, that men and women in high-ranking, influential positions, in other words, people that are in positions to make decisions that influence literally millions of people, that demonic forces and demonic activities are increased around those men and women. I think this is one of the reasons why you, you see people go to Washington and lose their minds. Think about, 
I'm not, not going to call names because I'm not, I'm not, this isn't about bashing, but think about some of the Supreme Court justices that have been added to the court over the last several years. Their resume and their record was so in line with Scripture, so in line with what would be called conservative values, family values, right? Some of them, their their views were so in line with and so certain that whole lies were made up about them, unsupported false allegations to try to tarnish you know, desperate measures to try to keep them from ever being confirmed to the court. They get on the court and then all of a sudden they start making decisions. I'm talking about like majorly important stuff, abortion. I'm not not here to rail against that. Just listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. Do you not think the devil is accusing this nation before God night and day. Do you know, look at what, look at the judgment that has come upon nations that sanction the killing of babies. Are you hearing what I'm saying, right? So we're talking about serious, serious things like that. And these judges, I mean, it's like, woo-hoo, we're finally going to get some traction. We're finally going to get some change. We're finally going to get some things brought back into alignment, not not with Mark Winslet's opinions, with the Word of God, Right? They go to Washington and they lose their minds. Now all of a sudden they're they're going completely opposite. Listen to me please. It's spiritual warfare. That's why first of all he said first of all pray for those who are in authority. Right? How different do you think it would be if rather than conservative Christians in this country right? And listen, I've, I've repented before God, but you know I've certainly had, I've certainly had my fair share of judgment against politicians. Amen. But with the Lord's help, those days are over in my life. But how different would it have been if instead of us judging them, recognized that when these people get in those positions, we're talking about Prince of Persia. We're talking about uh, some of the most powerful demonic beings that exist focused on them. If they can manipulate, what if if they could manipulate a nuclear war? Do you you not think the devil would love to see about 500 million people die tomorrow? Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, the the, the intense pressure that that now is applied, that's why the Bible, he didn't say pray for them if you voted for them. He, He said pray for them. Right? He talked about the, the born-again believers in Caesar's house. Amen. Father, forgive us for judging our leaders when they do things we don't agree with. Father, forgive us for speaking negatively about men and women that we don't know. I do not know President Biden. I do not know Donald Trump. I do not know Barack Obama. But Lord, even if I did know these men, I'm still in no position to judge them. And Father, furthermore, you told me to pray for them and to make it a priority. 
So, Father, we intercede for our government tonight. We intercede for those, Lord, who have the rule over us, that it might be well with us. Because, Father, they're in positions to make decisions that affect us. Father, if, if, if they're being manipulated by demonic spirits to do foolish things and carry this nation in a direction that it shouldn't go, Father, expose that. Surround them with Daniels, Lord, that, you know, men that know you and that they listen to and respect, Father, that, that you can speak through them to these men and women in these high-ranking positions, Father. Lord, it's very easy to feel helpless and feel like that they're making decisions to do things that certainly and clearly violate your word, Father. And so now it's feel like we are justified to judge them, Lord. And, and Father, it's, it's not what you tell us to do. Father, I thank you that this nation is turning back to you. We pray and believe you for an awakening in this country, Father. Lord, there have been very, very serious threats against this union since the very beginning, Lord. And our generation now is facing yet another threat, Lord. I thank you, Father, that your people are rising up not to throw rocks, not to, not to march, not to cuss and holler and scream and judge. Lord, we're rising up in the Spirit, putting on the whole armor of God, taking our position, humbling ourselves before you and praying. Our land is sick, Father, and it needs to be healed. And we ask you, Father, to heal it. Help us to be a part of the answer and not a part of the problem. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, your love, nobody's told you that today. Thank you for being here. Blessings to you and yours. Amen. We'll see you Sunday, if not before.